0: Welcome to the Slow and Fast Podcast, where we slow down and break down ideas and techniques to help speed up your creative journey. I'm Stephen Ward, and I'm joined by my amazingly talented co-host, John Masio. How you doing, John?
1: Stop it. You're equally as amazingly talented. Stop it. Stop it. I'm doing doing well. It's uh, Friday, July 1st, at the time of us recording this episode, which means... The second half or volume two of Stranger Things season four has just dropped. And man, I I remember the first time uh, I watched a couple episodes of Stranger Things. I cannot get into it. Like when it first came out, just the whole like Goonies, Super 8. I wasn't wasn't into like kids going on adventures, I remember. Mm -hmm. And then Mm – You and I at the old Burbank studio, I remember, I think it was season two had just dropped and you had come back from California and you had like actually spent most of your trip just binging Stranger Things season two (laughs) or season three. And I just remember you being really into it. And I was just like, well, maybe. And then COVID hit and when COVID hit, I was like, I don't really have much shit. Like there's nothing else going on. So I might as well just watch everything I've been meaning to watch. Mm-hmm. And stranger things was one of the shows that I put on. And the first time watching it, it took me a while to get into it, but I think halfway through the first season, I was like, yo, this is like super sick. Like this is way different than I thought it was going to be. Cause I was just, I thought, I just thought it was like kids in a monster movie. I didn't realize there was like a spoiler alert. If you haven't watched the first season by now, like it's too late, but yeah, like, the yeah. whole separate dimension incorporating like dungeons and dragons, mythology type stuff into it uh there's just so many cool things and so i watched all the way up to season three and just binged it and then i watched it again i was like this show is so much better like i'm surprised it was a netflix show like it definitely could be like on hbo or showtime it's just like such the writing the acting even for kid actors it's just like so well done and the season four definitely has i was worried for it because they were hyping yeah. it up pretty hard. Yeah, but man, the first vo- the first half of it, oh, it lived up to the hype. I binged it in one day. Yeah. Watched, started watching it on Saturday when it came out. I finished it on that Saturday at like midnight. Then my cousin came to visit, and I watched it all again. <laughs> she was like, "You want to watch Stranger Things?" And I was like, "Oh yes, put it on." And, I, and my mom was just like, "You've already watched it." And she we like, we sat there, dude, for like eight, nine hours or whatever it was. I was like, when is there a commercial? We're like, it's Netflix. When is there ever a commercial on Netflix? Well, maybe when they get their ad tier or whatever. But
0: yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's always the interruption, like two minutes into the uh, to the episode, asking if you want to continue your uh, your binge, and you're like, it's of so course annoying. I do. Netflix, be worried if
1: I don't ever like if I back out. That's when you have yeah. a problem. Not asking if I'm still watching, but. I never understood like why they ask if you're still watching. It's like just keep it going, man. I
0: don't don't stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean like Maybe. I I think that I think Stranger Things hits just the right like balance of like nostalgia, great story, you know, uh great writing. I think honestly like the 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 kids that were chosen to be the characters, like they all do just such a fantastic job because that's such like a that's such a, a gamble when you hire yep. kids to be actors. Like you look at Star Wars, right? Little Little Anakin was one of the worst elements of the of the movie, you know, because I mean, like he's a kid; he doesn't know what he's doing, you know. But he got the role. Yeah. Uh, have you have you watched Obi One? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, you gotta go watch Obi One so we can follow
1: <laughs> up on this conversation because of I, I, I'm sure you've seen the internet's talk about Princess Leia or baby kid Leia, and all I have mm-hmm. to say about all that shit is like anyone who's like, well, what do you expect from Anakin? Like he was being harsh. I'm like, I don't know. Disney did it right with kid Leia. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly believe, uh, they, I don't, I don't know how it goes into casting director, but that was for me, even as a kid, I remember, cause I think I don't forgot when the Phantom Menace came out, but 99. I do remember watching kid Anakin and I was just like, man, like it's cool to see a kid in this role, but I don't, there's just some like even Hayden Christensen. I I thought his portrayal was great. I know people shit on him, but I'm like, the thing is, is like when that when Anakin Hayden Christensen's Anakin goes dark, like there's always something behind his eyes, like because mm-hmm. we all know he he turns into a murdering sociopath, right? Yep. Like, Darth. Let's not get it twisted. Darth Vader is a murdering sociopath at the end of the day. Like that is his arc. When we when we get there, like he is. There's no mercy. It's you're in my way i'm gonna like take you out as simple as that and he doesn't care like there there's no empathy there so hayden christensen there was always a darkness behind his portrayal because you knew that was lingering there that was part of the character and it was just really weird that and even in kid adding him, that wasn't there when technically that should have always been there it was like he was almost too goody good and it's like i could see where they're trying to portray like you know
0: what are you're not midichlorians? always bad <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, it was just like, no, man, like, there needed to be some sense of, like, not darkness, but something there where you kind of, like, makes you a little uncomfortable. Like, yo, something's not right with this kid, but it's because of the audience. We already know. So it it would make it even more thrilling to be, like, how did Koi-Gon and Obi-Wan not even see him as a kid? Because you go from Phantom Menace to Clone Wars movie, it's just, like, what what, like,
0: that's such a huge jump in how the character is – is handled and you know well I, th- th- I think i think that that is like what we're kind of dancing around is one of the the most basic elements of story writing is, is show don't tell because mm-hmm. they 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 do that interview right and and we're we're starting to get into the weeds of, of of Star Wars, but I'm I'm okay with this because they do that scene where Anakin is brought before like the Council of Masters and the Jedi Order, and they're kind of like talking to him and like, oh, I sense fear in you, and like they kind of have to like tell you that there's something wrong with Anakin without yeah. actually showing it. Yeah. What's a
1: what's that called? There's a there's a there's an actual word. Is it exposition? It's mm-hmm. like – because uh, Christopher Nolan has a huge problem with that. Like he uh, – in Christopher Nolan movies, I love his movies, but there's always
0: like – It's like expository sto- storytelling.
1: Yeah, like there's always a scene where the characters are walking in random places as the thing is being explained because uh-huh. the audience <laughs> needs to be t- like spoon-fed what is happening uh-huh. to have an emotional reaction instead of him showing. And Christopher Nolan does this in – like. I, I don't know any movie where he doesn't do this at one point where it's just like talking the audience through it, but the characters are in different locations as they're talking. And every time it happens, it takes me out of the movie. Cause I know I notice it and I'm just like, oh, like it would have been so much easier, but movies in general, they have to, they have to do something like that when they know, okay, we have to explain this to the audience. This movie has to be an hour and 45 minutes long. There's no way we can show all this. Cause it would take like 10 minutes of screen time. We don't have that. So we need to just like have the characters tell each other what's happening, even though in real life they would already know what's happening. So as an mm-hmm. audience member, for me, at least I'm just like, well, I'm taking out of the film now. Like I know what is happening. Cause I already, I already knew. And now you guys are just reiterating what I already knew. But yeah, like that whole scene when he's just like scared, I'm like, there Should have been like some clapback, some like Anakin, as a child, I would believe, would like kind of say, I'm not afraid, I'm confused. Like, I thought this was a shoe in because that's like the, a- Anakin was always like not the smartest person in the room, but snarky enough to outsmart the smartest person in the room. Like, he yeah. that that is Anakin to his core, like, he's mm-hmm. just very, very clever. Um, but yeah, like. A lot of people are like, everyone uh, ruined that kid's life. I'm like, yeah, Star Wars fans are the worst and they are mean. But if we take that part away and we actually talk about the performances, like they should have picked another child actor or someone should have like stepped in to help like with the undertones. Because even when you watch the Clone Wars movie, the kid who plays uh, Boba Fett, like he did a great job playing kid Boba Fett, even for the few scenes, like you could see that turmoil – in his face when, like, he gets his dad's helmet. You can see him being weary when, like, Obi-Wan comes in. Like, he hit all the beats he needed to hit, so there was never an issue with him Mm -hmm. playing Boba Fett. So, obviously, there were certain points that the kid Anakin didn't hit. But anyone listening is just like, yo, this is like like, a different type of podcast. You guys are talking about, like, Obi-Wan last time. Now you guys are talking about... Star Wars like last two episodes kind of go into Star Wars Lands like I Re- guess. Really, we're
0: just gonna have to make a separate like podcast altogether and just be a Star Wars, <laughs> a Star Wars breakdown channel.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like as a creative, it's irresponsible for us not to talk about the stuff that inspires us to have these type of conversations. Like even though we're talking about something differently, which is like movies right now, it's like as audio engineers and creatives, like that stuff inspires or sparks something in us to do creative things uh, i don't know in my mind it makes sense but it is a weird trail to follow
0: <laughs> no 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 it, it makes sense i think the more people follow like the episodes i think they're going to get clued in more about like our personalities and why we want to talk about this sort of stuff but yeah yeah
1: i mean if we were if we when we run into anyone who listens to this podcast in real life i i want them to be like yo this episode helped me because of this this and this but I got to ask you about this like Star Wars theory you guys talked about. Like, yes. I want to yes. be able to have those type of conversations too. And like, yeah, like this is legit stuff you and I talk, like the whole purpose of this podcast was all those, all these conversations that we would be having behind closed doors, to just have them now. Mm-hmm. And with that said, it, this is actually a great time to transition to this week's episode. And this one is on a book that Steven recommended to me. Even though I had already bought it <laughs> some time ago, he sent me a picture and I was like, oh, I already have that book. I just haven't read it. I think I read like the first couple of pages, but the book is called The E-Myth. And I believe there's like a newer version called The E-Myth Revisited. And that's the mm-hmm. one I have. Same. And I think for this episode, we're going to only focus on a personality type that's brought up in the book. And the three personality types are the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. Mm-hmm. And the reason we wanted to focus on that for this episode is on the other episodes we've kind of talked about like avoiding burnout, pivoting and you know mistakes we've made and we really want to talk about when it, the personality types that kind of lead to self-destruction in that sense and understanding the balance. So in this book the author goes into detail on any successful business owner has a well, a good balance of the entrepreneur, the manager, and technician. And a lot of people like to believe themselves, at least in the audio industry field, a lot of audio engineers like to think of themselves as, uh, and I'm sure this is probably other creatives, but as entrepreneurs, like I own a studio, I am an entrepreneur. And after reading this book and getting clarification on what an entrepreneur actually is that mm, I even will put myself in that table. When I first started doing this, I was definitely not an entrepreneur. I would say I'm an entrepreneur. That's not what the, what, what, what everyone thinks that word means is not what that word means and right. what correlates with that word. And the actions that go along with that word are very, very different than watching a Gary Vee video and saying, oh, I'm an entrepreneur because I'm creating my own business and my own lifestyle. It's, it goes so, there's so much more depth to, to that. And for myself, I fell into that trap too, because I was, you know, recording local bands i was editing records for people and things of that nature and when i decided to quit my job and go full-time even though i was working for like Bo and other people in my mind i was an entrepreneur i had I had decided to take the entrepreneurial step and be my own boss without knowing what that actually meant all because, and this is no fault to Gary Vee, but I had watched way too many Gary Vee videos (laughs) and it, and it's not explained properly what it actually means because we're all taught like rise and grind, you know, don't let someone else drink your milkshake and just keep it going. Don't stop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we get into this really toxic mindset of like, I'm an entrepreneur because I'm burning myself out and grinding to my core to not be – to be my own boss. And what an entrepreneur is based uh, from – I'm going to use the uh, definition from the book is the entrepreneur is the visionary in us, the dreamer, the energy behind uh, – no, the energy behind every human activity. To the entrepreneur, most people are problems that get in the way of the dream. And when I read that, I was just like, that is 100% how I f- – like I am a visionary. I'm a dreamer. I want to be my, I want to get a Grammy. I want to work on my own records. I, I don't want to be beholding to anyone and it's everyone else around me that's slowing me down. So I got to like, you know, the advice, the close, the five closest people to you are what you're more likely to be, to be, to be, you're the average of the five people you hang out with. So I was like, I need to cut out everyone who's not a grind, like grinding like I am. I need to cut out like all the negativity, all that which is, you know, in fairness, a good thing to do. But I think in moderation and proper balance, I think it's unhealthy to just like rip someone out of your life who isn't on the same page as you. I think that's unfair to hold everyone to that type of expectation that they all need mm-hmm. to be on the same page as you. Cause everyone has a different walk of life. Everyone has a different sense of what's good for them and what's not good for them. So if someone doesn't want to grind. They don't want to grind. If they're happy with what they're doing, you should aspire to be as happy as they are, but in your own thing. But reading that, I was just like, man, that's exactly how I felt. And that's like the first part the author covers because he knows that whoever's reading that book thinks they're entrepreneurs. And he even states that in the book. Uh, what were your takeaways from that, that part of the book, Stephen?
0: So, so I think, I think a, good, a good way to kind of sum up like what we're kind of want to talk about in this particular episode is like, there is a difference between working in your business and working on your business and when you go into being a business owner you have to wear these different hats um the entrepreneur is one of those hats that we have to have to embody that's separate from what a lot of us end up doing um and we'll we'll get to some of the other ones uh, later on but there there is a big difference between working on and working in your business um and the entrepreneur is one of those those hats where you wear to work on your business because Like, yeah, like I'm, I'm sure I'm probably like you a lot where I like, I, I kind of daydream a lot and I I have these like weird ideas as far as like what sort of stuff I want to do for the, the business. Um, and yeah, the, the entrepreneur tends to just kind of like not want to do the work so much as just kind of continue daydreaming about the work. Yeah. So many, so many.
1: I, we're gonna I think we're gonna we're gonna speak specifically with like audio engineers in this case because that's where we really really know really well. I've seen it in other creative fields but I feel way more comfortable just speaking in generals for audio engineers but it's just really crazy to like see some in so many forums how everyone's like my dream is to be the biggest producer in my town and yada 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 like everyone has that dream. And what you just hinted at is like, but no one knows what it means to, we all have dreams. Mm -hmm. But the problem with dreams is that they never really come to fruition, right? It takes takes execution to make that happen. So what the phrasing should actually change to is I have goals as an entrepreneur, stepping stones that Mm -hmm. I want to achieve. And we've talked about this in a previous episode where it's like, give yourself, like when you're pivoting, give yourself a couple of things that you, a couple of milestones you want to hit. Mm-hmm. So that you know that you're winning along the journey. And some of them may change. Some of them may not. But just saying I have a dream. Yeah, we all do. No shit. All humans have dreams. It's just – and it's kind of weird that the term entrepreneur is like the dreamer, the visionary. But they have other two personality types that they need to have also in order to make it happen. And if you're just a dreamer and that, and you're like, well, I'm just a dreamer. That's all. I, I just – like I can't do the other stuff. Well, man, I I don't know what to tell you because just being a dreamer is not enough. Like every successful business owner is a dreamer, but they you gotta wake up and realize, okay, I actually have to do the work at the end of the day.
0: And that's not to to shit on that particular role. I think that a entrepreneur, like being being in that role as the entrepreneur, is necessary for your business because the the entrepreneur thinks of what could be. Like yep, the entrepreneur is the person, is the role that looks out and says, okay, what, what, what does my customer avatar look like? What are their needs? What are their pain points? They think, okay, what, what role can I fill? What can I build to fulfill this need instead of just like, okay, what, what can I create on my own? Yeah. And, and, and if you're not
1: familiar with the term, uh, think, did you say customer avatar? Yeah. 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 So if you're not familiar with that term, is that the first time you've ever heard this term? It's a marketing term. And all that means is uh, think of it. So when you play a game, you have an avatar, right? An avatar is this uh, essentially just a made up person that you create. And it's it's your ideal customer. Typically in marketing, you create this ideal customer, this customer avatar. And, you know, you have to, you know, what is their age? What is their sex? What is their religion? What is their – what do they do for work? You have to have all these things down but also like what are their fears? What are their motivations? What's important to them? Whether You have to really kind of think who are you marketing to and companies like – we talk about Star Wars and stuff like – Disney is very aware of who their target audience, who their target avatars are for – you know the movies that they make, Marvel. That's why they do research groups. They try to understand the people who would enjoy the content that they're making, so that they know that it's not wasted time or wasted money. Because as an entrepreneur, you might have a great idea or a dream, and the biggest thing is like that ruins most entrepreneur endeavors. Is a uh, the saying, uh, "Well, everyone's my customer." I um. well. I'm doing. I'm an audio engineer, so like everyone's my customer. I can work for anyone, do anything. That's not narrow enough because the narrower, the more, the more narrow you can uh, uh, imagine your customer avatar, the bigger you can grow whatever your vision is. You have to really understand who is the person you're trying to serve by, you know, recording audio. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to do audio books. I don't want to record podcasts. I don't want to do that. It's like. What if I, what, what if I were to tell you that there is more money in doing audiobooks and podcasts than there is in actually making records because podcasts and audiobooks drop every single day. There is more money in post-production audio for films for folly than there is in actually doing records. Like if your whole goal is you just, you're like, I just want to make a money. I, I just want to make a living doing audio. Like that's my dream. I just want to make it. Okay. What does that, what does that mean? That is so vague of a thing to say as an audio engineer, because that can mean anything. If you're, if you just want to make money as an audio engineer recording bands, yeah, you could do it. But the reality the percentage of people who actually pull it off is actually really, really low. And that's, that's one of the gripes that I have with the audio industry and the recording industry in general is no one really talks about how difficult it is to actually pull off having a full-time career in audio that is sustainable past the eight to 10 year benchmark which is on average, how long someone who is successful can stay and keep that momentum. And if you don't believe me, research some of your favorite records, the producers, the mixers who are on it, go to AllMusic and look at how long their career stayed at the top until it started to have a slow decline and then a plateau. Yeah. A lot of them are still around and they're still making money, but it's not like it was in the past for them. And that's one thing as an entrepreneur is you have your dream. Okay, cool. Let's, but let's get laser focused on who are you trying to help to make your dream come true because if you don't have that you're just someone with a dream I, I i it's just the term entrepreneur we're not trying to shit on it it's just it's so misconstrued that it's annoying to hear and i am at fault for it because when i first started working for myself i was like i'm an entrepreneur i'm an entrepreneur it wasn't until it was before this book but i started realizing i was like i hate that word entrepreneur like I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm someone who wants to own a business that can sustain itself without me having to work in it, as Steven said. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know how to do that or get there because the models of what I was following is every audio engineer I know works in their business. And the ones who have learned to not have to work in their business and expand past that are the ones that are thriving because they've realized I, don't, like, I shouldn't be the one doing it. And the, those are the individuals who have created studio names. So when someone's like, oh, I'm going to go record at such and such studio – Their name is associated with that studio, but the studio is a business in and of itself that they can work in, but they don't have to, like, work in it every single day. And that was a big, huge takeaway from the very first few chapters of this book was an entrepreneur that understands that – understands they need to work on their business, not in their business.
0: Correct. Yep. Toit. And then, Stevie, you want to bring in the next one? Sure. Yeah. So the next next hat, the next role that you would – that we want to talk about is the uh, is the manager, and the manager is pragmatic. Without the manager, there would be no planning, no order, no predictability. Uh, without the manager, there would be no business in society. Um, however, the manager and the entrepreneur are sort of at odds, where the entrepreneur wants to be the innovator and the manager wants to bring order. So you know the entrepreneur can in kind of introduce chaos by saying like, well, what if, and the manager goes like, well, I need that to be kind of codified into the plan. So let's, let's get everything like working with the plan. So that way we can give it to the technician. But what, what, what would you say is, is the biggest issue with being your own manager as, as a, as, especially as like a solo, like maybe (laughs) business owner or audio engineer? So as a, so
1: as a creative and as like an audio engineer, I think the, the the biggest thing that comes up for most is uh, how do you stay motivated when you get home from work or how what are things that you do to put in place so that you get the mix done in time or things like of that nature. And that's, you know, that's an individual struggling with the manager part of getting shit done, the execution part, because without that balance nothing gets done and then you end up uh procrastinating because also also as a creative i think we just hate order in general we just <laughs> like i know for me i have uh, if i could not have any order in my life and things still get done i would love it right but i understand i need to create a world of structure that works for me and i and i think we kind of hit on this i don't remember which episode it's like find what works for you that creates a sense of order so that you can get things done. Cause what works for Steven doesn't work for me. And what works for me doesn't work for Steven. We, you know, we have very, we have, uh, we're both creatives. we both do our th- uh, video and things like that, but we're very different in how we execute it and how we manage ourselves. And there's no one shoe fits all or yeah. Like there's no one size fits all shoe out there. You have to really figure out what works. But as a manager part, it's hard. Like, mm-hmm. I can't express how difficult it is because it's uh, – I remember when I took the plunge to do audio full time, you're just like – you wake up, you get to your desk, and you're like, oh, all right. I'm going to like work on some editing some drums today. Like, I got this. And then, you know – well, first, I'm going to go check Facebook real fast make sure everything's like <laughs> – what, what's popping off of there. You check your Facebook. Then you're like, well, I'm going to go check that Instagram because like maybe someone's contacted me. Then you go and you check your email. Then you go to YouTube because you see someone post something and you click on it. Before you know it, an hour and a half to two hours of your morning is gone. And the manager just lost yep. that sense of order. And now you're just like, shit, I need to get on the ball. But now I'm getting hungry. I better get something. Did I have a coffee today? Shit, I should make some coffee to like energize me to just like knock these out. It won't take me that long. Before you know it, it's like 8 o'clock at night you're like, shit, I didn't get anything done today.
0: Yep. And
1: I think – yeah, I don't I don't know any creative who doesn't have a story like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, mine was definitely very very similar where I I just kind of chaotically uh, threw it myself, just threw myself at every every job and it wasn't like planned. It wasn't in in, in involved in any system at all. It was just like, oh, you got work for me? Cool. Just uh, let me, I'll get it uh, get back to you as fast as I can. Cool. And I would spend all day long just working on these these tasks without any real like repeatable or codified signal. No no yep. standard operating procedure whatsoever. No intake, you know, a uh, uh, checklist or anything like that. No, I mean like, and even just because I think a lot of people resist the order that a manager can bring or being the manager can bring, because it is an investment in time that doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of like output. Right. So like, mm. even the idea of like, like, there's, there's another book that I really, really like, and we may, uh, um, may go for uh kind of cover it at some point during the con- uh, uh, on the podcast uh, called when by Daniel Pink and just, oh, yeah. just the idea of taking two weeks to, write and record your energy levels throughout the day to figure out what your chronotype is and therefore figuring out what type of work you should be doing during the, during the morning, afternoon, or if you're night out in the evening. Like mm. that takes a lot of time and focus and energy to just remind yourself, you know, every couple of hours, like, okay, you know, I'm feeling like an eight out of 10 right now as far as energy, you know, it's like, okay, just after lunch, I'm, at, I'm feeling like a six out of 10, you know, okay. So like, and then figuring out then like, During different parts of the day, you should be doing different types of work, whether it's intense focus work or more creative work. Like that sort of idea was just so like foreign to me. I was just like, okay, well, just the work needs to get done. So I'm just going to throw myself at it and just I'm going to power through and get it done. And it didn't it didn't really like take until I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure I read when when I was in Finland And at that part, at that point, it's just like, it's already too late. Like I'm already like a year and a half into making content and just like the chaos and ridiculous schedule had already taken its toll, you know? And I tried to pivot into getting a little bit more systems and kind of bringing that manager forth. But I just, I I ended up already like having burned myself out. Um, Yeah, it was a hard lesson to learn, but it was was uh, a lesson learned.
1: When I started doing the YouTube stuff, I, I think the biggest problem with uh, the biggest problem for me with productivity shit is like, it's always read almost as like, there's a one size fits all, like wake up at 5am club, like the 5am club bullshit that just drives mm-hmm. me insane because it's like, I think there's value in reading a lot of productivity books and shit like that. But it's like, there are so many systems that just didn't work for me. And it was like really frustrating. Cause I'm like, there's the biggest thing that i notice is like well fuck this person who wrote this book because they have a team that's helping them like there's they have an assistant there's people who in, uh, ensure that they can have these like very crazy like i only work for like three hours here and i do two days worth of work it's like well yeah no shit you got a whole team backing you up it's very easy to do shit like that but like let's talk about to the common person the person who doesn't have that maybe you know the single at home mom who has like three kids two kids daycare soccer practice like you know go to work that ha- like let's talk to to an individual to somebody who has a lot of things to do in one day how do they structure it to make sense and for me I like I'm I'm a single individual trying to figure that out for myself and it was very frustrating because I was because then I started feeling like I was a failure because I couldn't implement these systems into my life because like you said you're so far in and it's just very frustrating I think it's super misleading and I remember, um, one book that helped me was called, uh, called eat that frog. And it was kind of like stuff I already knew, but it kind of like streamlined it, but reading the, I haven't finished when I need to finish that, but you recommend, I, I think you recommended when, and I already had, I already owned it. I already owned when it was another one of those situations where you're like, you should read the book when, and then I found the book drive from Daniel pink. But then I started opening up when and I started reading it several months ago and I got a couple chapters in and it, absolutely changed my whole mind when it came to productivity because in the book we'll cover in another podcast but it just talks about like when are when are you most alert like you need to figure out what times actually work for you because a light bulb went off on like why i was so less productive in, at old jobs at a certain time and like i i knew myself enough to know like oh i'm actually better at doing this thing than that thing at this certain time oh if i actually switch this this thing to this earlier time and move this back It's actually better for my brain because I'm not – my brain will naturally be in that mode based on my personality type and stuff. Once I started doing that, like scripting YouTube videos, coming up with ideas, it all became easier because I was working with my personality and my – oh, is it chronotype? Is that what it's called?
0: Yeah, chronotype, yeah. Yeah, Whether you're you're a lark or like a morning bird or whether you're a night owl or somewhere in between.
1: Yeah. So that, that book helped me realize that for myself. And ever since I've adopted the, applying that strategy with productivity strategies at work, when I'm, when I'm working, it's like skyrocket. And then I learned to like shut off my phone, put time limits on stuff. And also, um, you know, one thing with the entrepreneur is because they're a dreamer and a visionary, we, talk, and we talked about like getting distracted almost. It's almost like the entrepreneur has some sort of like ADHD or something like that because it's mm-hmm. like they're constantly like on. It doesn't shut off because they want to, you know, innovate. As an entrepreneur, you want to – you're always constantly thinking, right? And one of the things that I realized in the last several months too is like because of social media, we get that dopamine hit like especially with something like TikTok, where it's like every seven to 60 seconds you're getting a new dopamine hit so if you think about it your tolerance for dopamines uh overload it's like growing so much so you have to like learn to shut the phone off to resist that urge we all have that urge every once in a while we're like oh did i get a text and you check your phone you realize you didn't but then all of a sudden you're like on youtube or something like that and you're just Mm -hmm. like how the fuck did i go from like did i get a text to i'm on youtube watching this video and it's just so crazy how that happens And a lot of it is like our brains are subconsciously looking for that dopamine hit so we can feel good. And having to like do several different types of dopamine detox, it's so hard because it's like as a creative, I want to see all that stuff because like I never know where the next inspiration is going to come from. But the manager part of me is like, you got to stop doing that thing and get back to work because if you keep doing this, you're just going to waste time. And I'm like butting heads because I'm like, well. I can't make a vision come to life if I'm not inspired by the thing that it's going to spark that inspiration. And the manager's like, "Dude, you got to get off this shit. Like, this is this is doing more harm than good at this point. You need to be creative in how you're going to get the, those senses of inspiration."
0: Agreed. Um, can we take a second and, and talk about like how useful being bored is? Like, I mean, I'm I, bored right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm bored just thinking <laughs> just about kidding. it. No, like yeah, so. I'm- so I I don't know how 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 you how you feel about this, but like I I've been taking walks like in the morning. I drop my wife off at work. I come back home and I just go for like a 20 to 40 minute walk. And then like more often than not, I've actually been kind of like overloaded by like trying to listen to a podcast or a book or music. And I've just like shut everything off just so I could like just concentrate on breathing and yeah. just. You know, looking at how green the vegetation is and just like be like listening to the wind, feeling the wind on my skin. Like and I'm like I'm bored senseless the entire time, but like it helps me focus and it actually gives me more ideas in the mm-hmm. long term than if I'm actually trying to like listen to a podcast and intake information.
1: Yeah, I well, it goes back to like being present, like you're you're practicing. I wouldn't even say it's called being bored. It's just being present and just giving yourself time to like recharge in a different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I feel you on the, so once I was done with the last company, like I, I stepped away from music. Like I didn't want to hear any music. I didn't watch any music videos. Like I was like, I need to just not touch music for at least a month. I, you know, I did work on that EP for like two weeks, but to me that wasn't like consuming as much as creating. And that for me was like an eye opener to like, I need to really control how much i'm consuming what's my consumption to output because if i am trying to be a content creator or a business owner or an entrepreneur i need to be really careful that my output is more than my input and the input coming in is 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 you know it's going to feel everything i need to feel for the output uh started doing more walks you know i i've also incorporated that i i wake up And exercise is a priority now. I give myself like an hour, hour and a half to work out. And, you know, I'm slowly dropping the weight. uh, And I have a goal for myself that I'm hoping to hit in the year. And I'm trying I'm really trying to stay away from like supplements and shit like that. Like I'm really trying to do this, the hard, but the right way of like, you just got to put in the time. And it's all about control, self-control and time and discipline. But when I'm, when I'm exercising, I hate it but i really try to put myself keep myself in the moment breathe and then like when it's raining or anything we have like windows everywhere downstairs i'm i i've never been around so much green in my life so mm. i am just looking at the green in the morning when i let oliver i like walk out to the grass in the middle of the in the middle of the backyard and i just breathe in deeply a couple deep breaths of air you know it's a little like moist or whatever cuz it's like georgia but i really try to do the same thing you're talking about where it's not my normal state but i'm trying to just like breathe like enjoy being present in the moment how green is the grass how are the trees looking just like observe and it's really crazy when i go on walks is when i come i i will come back from a walk and i will have like 10 ideas like Mm mm-hmm that and it's different because like when I'm working out, I don't really get ideas when I'm working out in the mornings. But when I go in the walks in the evenings, it's like all of a sudden I'm just like writing notes on my phone, voice memos, the things to remember. And it's like all these ideas are happening. I'm like, what's the difference between when I'm walking and when I'm just like working out downstairs? Like I I I haven't explored that yet to see why why that happens.
0: Yeah. I'm sure something along the lines of like steady state cardio with like not as much external stimulus because like working out can get pretty intense and that can actually like take you like focus it takes a lot of focus to like make sure that your posture is right that your form is correct and that you're like outputting as much in uh outputting as much energy as you need to get a good workout in but like walking is very like it's very subtle you're still exercising you're still getting a lot of oxygen to your brain so like that's stimulating everything into like being more creative but uh I'd have to look that up more. So, but
1: yeah, I'm sure there's a book or something we can read on that. That I'm might be sh- good sure. for people. Cause uh, as a creative, I mean, I didn't work out for several years. I just, I was just like, right. Like you got to grind. Every waking moment is about the grind. But then when you're not managing yourself, time flies by and then you're playing catch up and then you're having unhealthy sleeping schedules and mm-hmm. eating habits go out the window because it's just like, it's it, like, if you don't prioritize healthy habits now, when you scale, you're screwed, even if you get help. So, you know, if you're creative out there, boundaries with yourself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) manage yourself. Essentially. Don't just let the, uh, the entrepreneur and the technician take over. And that leads to the next one, which is the technician. And the technician is the doer. If you want something done, do it yourself. And I will, I can honestly say that, I feel very comfortable saying most audio engineers that I know fall under the technician more so than the other two, very mm-hmm. easily. What would you say, Steven?
0: Uh, so does so does Thanos. Uh, <laughs> 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 he said that, I just, uh, I'm sorry, this is so off topic, but like, <laughs> just made me think of that like end credit scene where he's like, if you want something done right, do it yourself. And I'm like, I never thought of Thanos as a technician, but all right, there we go. <laughs> Um, was at
1: the end of Guardians in the Galaxy or something, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly it. Um so okay, back back to back to focus. Focus focus on the thing. Um yeah, so like I, I was definitely the technician when I when I did this. And and the technician's role is is obviously vital because the technician creates the product. Um however, the technician is one who just looks simply at the product, needs to get done, does it. Looks internally and says like, okay, I can do this thing. I'm going to continue producing this thing and people are going to come to me, right? And this is where I think a lot of people kind of fail in their business is that they don't allow time for the entrepreneur to innovate and to imagine what they could, what the technician could then produce to fulfill the need of, of the customers, Um yeah, I
1: definitely think like when when it comes to audio engineers, it's just everyone's a t everyone's a doer. And mm-hmm. there's so many times I've seen other audio engineers say like, I'm I'm you know, I'm fully booked, but I'm just I'm tired. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, you're basically playing catch-up with yourself because you're only focused on, as Steven said earlier, working in your business, not working on your business. And then when it comes time to in like an intern or some sort of help it's always like it's either a temporary basis and or like you want someone that's already good to go but then there's a learning curve because they already have their own way of doing things and sometimes their way of doing things is a mesh with how you like things done and it slows you down so you end up saying never mind i'm going to do it myself and then it leads to the cycle all over again to where you get Booked, before, booked more than you can handle. And the vicious cycle starts over and over and over. And this is... this, The technician part to me is why most audio engineers, mixers, producers, are unable to scale. And why they have a shelf life of about 8 to 10 years, in my opinion. It's because it's always... It's such a personal process that it's very hard to say, oh, this personal process, this person's not doing it, that person's not doing it. And that's where the entrepreneur and the manager come in. Because if your dream is to make records or have a studio as an audio engineer, your dream should be to have a studio. It should not for you to only be the studio. Like you should have a studio and a team that should be your dream as an entrepreneur. Cause that's how you're going to make this shit happen. And then from there, you need to create a situation and use the manager to where Your skill set and things that you do and like done are recorded, are tracked, and are easily, are easily, easily things that are easy for other people to follow. Yeah. Because if you're the thing, the problem with the technician is like because they know they can do it faster themselves, they don't want to teach anyone because they don't want to slow down. Mm -hmm. But as an entrepreneur, you have to realize, well, people are the problem. But as the manager, you need to step in and manage that side of you to be like, all right. If I take one weekend and I create videos and PDFs and basically like a mini studio guide of my expectations and things that I want for every type of thing, basically a policies and procedures type deal. Anytime I hire someone, instead of me talking them through, I send them this URL and they can can see everything that I like done, how I like it done, color code, whatever. You don't have to re-explain it every single time. You send this link to this person, they review it. No, like, oh, I okay, cool. I know how to do it. And you know, you do that enough times you refine it because people will give you feedback, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That wasn't in there. Then you go and you update it and you fix it. But you're creating a system for yourself using the manager side so that when you bring on other people as a technician, an entrepreneur, and a business owner, you can focus more on working on the business and having the right team around you as opposed to working in your business and burning yourself out so you can scale it. And the 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 producers and engineers who understand this. They all have done this. They all have teams that work for them at the studio. It's not all the time, but they have their own clientele, but they work under the studio name because they understand to work, to to scale your business. It's not about you working on your business or working in your business. It's about working on the business. And this is, and I don't, just, it's not just audio engineers. It's obviously going to be any creative because it's such a personal thing. It's really hard. Everyone, you know, it's like with audio, how do you teach someone, how you hear things, how you like things. It's like, well, it's the same as everything. You ex- you're you around it enough, you will pick it up. It's just like, how does someone know you know how to play a certain style of guitar? You expose yourself to it as much as possible, and then you start playing that style just because you have absorbed it and you know what's appropriate or what's uh, what people are used to. As a mixer, it's no different. As a producer, it's no different. People come to you, they need a vision brought to life, but they need it brought to life in a capacity to where a certain customer avatar or market segment wants it delivered in a certain way. Everyone wants the same thing but different, right? And if you're trying to play record bands, you already know that oh, if I'm recording this metalcore band, I have to know how to produce those results so you go and you consume it until you understand what it needs to sound like. It's no different your tastes are no different in teaching someone those. Like someone can learn oh, they like this, they don't like that because if you're, you know, dating someone, they're essentially going to learn your likes and dislikes as well as you're going to learn theirs. So it's it's not a special unique thing as much as all of us want to believe it's like if you're around someone long enough, you will learn to develop like, oh, they would they would do this. They would do that. They like this. They like that. These are their preferences because we're all creatures of habit at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So breaking down a formula based on someone's habit or things their preferences are, it's not impossible. It's just you need to start at the base level of, OK, this is how I like things done. Here's a system. I'm going to hire you. Oh, you're doing great. Would you like to come work for me like part-time? And that's how you scale and that's how you don't burn yourself out. Being a one-man shop isn't sustainable. You're going to you're just going to burn yourself out in the day.
0: I think probably one of the simplest ways that people can get into starting this journey into like Owning the manager role and the entrepreneurial role, you know, because we're talking to probably, I would say, majority technicians at this point who are looking to to improve on their business, is that just start writing down everything you do during the day. Start figuring out what this SOP or standard operating procedure is gonna look like. So, like, for instance, like John and I are starting this podcast, I'm taking I'm taking care of like the editing of the episodes currently. And every time I get The files. I start writing down specifically what I'm doing as far as okay. I need to organize. I need to you know. I I now have like a folder template that I recreate. You know that I I copy and paste so that way I have all my folder structure internally taken care of. Okay, so like write that down. Organize the files. Copy the template. Paste it in the folder. Start importing your folder. Importing the the files into the folder uh, template, and then you know create the DaVinci Resolve session listen through, start marking timestamps, edit this, you know, take out the, the, all the mouth noises, all the, the smacks and the, the crackles and pops that are unintentional, you know, Mm -hmm. add the music. So like every, like every time I'm doing an action, I write it down in a list and then that becomes my standard operating procedure. So that way, when we do end up hiring on an editor, they're not going to be like, okay, well, I guess I'll just like do things that I think are naturally going to, they're going to want. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Just wing it. Just figure it out. Just figure it out. Right. Like that's, that's like the credo for like the, uh, the, the entrepreneur in quotation marks. It's like, oh, you yeah, just figure it out. Like no. that shit
1: pisses me off. Cause I've been on the receiving end of like, oh, I don't know. Just figure it out. And it's like, no, like there needs to be some sort of direction. And you know, S- S- Steven and I, we've read this book, but beforehand we knew that, when we were doing this podcast, for example, that him and I, from our experiences, it's like, okay, we have to have like, who's covering who, like I'm mm-hmm. more on the logistics, like distribution side. So it's like the outline for the episodes. I'm in the yep. one handling that, the picking the books, what we're going to talk about like that, that, that producer role is more on me and I'm okay with it. Like figuring out how the back end is going to be formulated. So when we bring on like a an assistant of some sort, like a producer for the show, for the episodes, we already have a system in place that. They, they're not going to have to create. Like we already know, let's cre- let's take the time, create these very annoying systems now because neither Stephen nor I like being the managers. We don't mm-hmm. want to do this. Like we're already playing against what our natural personality has to do. But right. we have learned from our prior experiences. If we do this now and we build these habits in, when we scale, we won't have to play catch up. The yes. system's already in place. Like everything that we do is already premeditated. And like I'm learning to do the same with my YouTube. Stephen has his own YouTube. It's like, these are steps that aren't attractive right. no one wants to do them. Right. Well, but it, you have I, to think eventually you're going to want to give this role to someone else. Mm-hmm. May, you want them to just shoe right in. You don't, want to, you don't want to be in a situation to where it's like you hire an editor and because they understand – like they've created the system, then you have to have them teach you the system. Like that is the worst position mm-hmm. to be in as a business owner because you don't actually own your business. You're basically freelancing your business and letting other people create the operation procedures. So – us doing it now is if someone comes in, they last a month or a couple episodes, we at least know they can do one episode. And if it doesn't work out, we can bring in someone else because we already created the system. And it's also Steven's not going to do it forever. Like there might be some times where I have to do some episodes and, you know, I need to know what Steven's doing. And I there's a checklist of like, okay, do that, do that, do that, do that. Mm-hmm. And any job you go work at, they ha- if ha- you notice something? Any job you go work at, there's these checklists or policies and procedures or the way certain
0: things actions are done there's a reason for that it's it's the difference between management styles and it's management by abdication and management by delegation when you as a business owner just abdicate or just get rid of tasks that you don't want to do and you just say like oh just go edit the thing or just go tune the vocals or just "Ah, prep the session and you don't give anything like any any standard operating procedures you don't give them that checklist they're just going to figure it out on their own and as john said like then they're going to have to teach you how to do it because you look at what they did and you're like i didn't ask you to do that mm-hmm. you know and then they're running your business for you instead of the other way around you know and that's and- the scariest position to be in is to when
1: you know someone is creating systems for your business and you don't understand them. And then it's like, well, I wouldn't do it that way. That right. Like, there's, or, you know, it's like, well, yeah, take control of your fucking business and you won't be in that situation. And as much as like an audio engineer, like hearing this is like really difficult because you're thinking like, okay, I understand what you're saying. I just don't know where to start. Do what Steven just said. Literally create a checklist first of like when you edit guitars, write down every step to editing guitars just don't don't worry about recording a video just write down the steps when you tune vocals what is every step like if you had to explain it to like your cousin or your your you know like a three to five year old if you had to explain what you're doing to a three to five year old for them Mm -hmm. to understand those are the kind of steps you want to take like don't write big paragraphs like first thing I do is normalize the first thing I do is cut out all the breaths the second thing I do is like run uh, Melodyne to capture all the audio from there I go and tune the main vocal then I do the backup vocal based on the ghost notes from the the main like write down every step of your process and do it for every single thing and then when you do it again go and see if you add anything different because sometimes you know depending on the type of track for a rock song maybe steps five one through seven are the same but then when you do metal there's steps one through ten Mm -hmm. So you can add like little amendments to like, say like, except for metal tracks, you would do this procedure here, here, and here. Like you can, that way it's one master list, but it's like the main points are like, here are the five main steps, but there is actually seven if you're doing this genre or there's three, if you're doing like a, or like a blues type style band, like there aren't as many procedures, but you have all that stuff and you try to create one master checklist. So that someone pulls it up, they're like, okay, every genre that I could work in for him, is already written down on this checklist so I just need to follow the procedure. And as boring as it sounds, this is going to save you so much time in the future when you do hire help because when I was in a when I was doing assistant work, one thing that I did was I anytime someone talked to me about work, I created a separate Dropbox folder and I would automatically put their Gmail associated with it and I would tell them, "When you are ready for me to work for you, here is my PayPal. You will send the deposit here and then here your folder is already generated just go to your email go to dropbox that folder is here under your name drop the file there and just send me a message that you've already sent payment and the files and i'll get to work that right there that procedure and this is when i stopped working at the bank doing that with other producers gave me so much turnaround time because i never deleted that folder because i knew if i made a folder that they could sync to they would give me more work because they already knew how to pay me automatically and they already knew where the folder was. So after the work was done, they would take it and then I would get text messages. Hey, I just uploaded a folder. I'm going to send you a PayPal for this, this much, this amount. And I would just get money in my account. I would have files and then I would get to work the next day in the morning. And that really helped take that off their plate because I made it easy for them. But I created a system that was very easy for me to do it. And then when it was someone who was in pro tools, I taught them like, here, do a save as session, send me the session. I'll edit within the session that you already kind of have. That way, it's not just, you don't have to export files. Like, if it was anyone who wasn't in Pro Tools, it was a little bit of a headache. But, majority of my clients were Pro Tools. But I created a system because I kept seeing, I keep doing this, I keep doing that. They keep sending me Dropbox files. This is not, how do I make this super easy? That system made it so easy for people to hire me and keep coming back to me. And it wasn't until, like, you know, uh, the last person that tried to hire me like that, I was like, oh, I'm actually don't have time to do this. And I had to refer it out to a friend and, but they were like, Oh, cool. And I told them the same system. I was like, just do this, this, and this, and they'll just send you money and upload files whenever they need work done, which is like one or once or twice a month. And they're like, Oh shit. I was like, yeah. Like, and now they adopted that system. And it's like, well, yeah, make it, make it easy for other people. And when you, when you run your business like that, you're running a business, you're not running like a freelance shop. You know what I mean? So yep. anyone who's listening, who wants to know how to make life easier, that's one way I hacked the, my, my, my business was Dropbox <laughs> folder and send and to give them my PayPal info and money showed up in my account files were uploaded. I never had to worry about, oh shit, I got to wait for them to send me a file. Nope. They already knew. Oh, I'll just save as, save it to this Dropbox folder. I'm done. Like
0: he's going to get it. And, and the, that's honestly like, it's just an investment in the system will save you so much more time Because time and time at the end of the day is your most valuable resource and you want to save as much of it as possible when you, when you're moving forward into your own, into your own entrepreneurial business, whatever you want to call it, your own creative endeavor. Like Mm. getting back time is one of the highest priorities that you can have. And following along with E-Myth Revisited, like engineering your business so that you don't have to always be working in your business. Yep is top priority. Yeah. And for my YouTube stuff, like I have all,
1: every episode follows the same template. I do the same research. It's all methods. So when I bring on a producer to help me, they're going to follow the same steps I do. Like I've already, I'm pretty comfortable. I'm only going to get better from this point of how I produce episodes. And it's like, this is, because in my mind, I'm not going to always be the one in front of the camera. Like I want to, I'm building a business. That's why it's not under my name. It's under a brand name because I've learned my lesson and I know to scale things. It can't be me. It has to be, I build a business that I can work on and then I bring on talent that I can train and show them like, Oh, well, luckily I've worked in education. So I, I understand like anything can be formulated to teach people. You just have to take the time to create those systems. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing with this book that is really great. And I think for this episode, we touched on all the points we wanted to touch on. And next week, uh, we're probably going to revisit another part because this book is not that big of a book, but there's a lot of great information on there. Yes. So I think next week we're going to do a, a part two, the follow-up on this. So that said, Stephen, thank you for joining me again for another week. Mm-hmm. And maybe next week we could talk about
0: uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, let's do that. I, I, mean, <laughs> do, I mean, we're going to be texting about it like tomorrow. Like he's going yeah. to we'll be like, bro, bro, what'd you think, bro? <laughs> yeah
1: that said, everyone listening, thank you for listening to another episode of the Slow and Fast Podcast, and we will catch you later. Have a good one.
0: So if you found this episode helpful, please share it with somebody you know who would also find value in this episode. And if you'd like to continue this discussion with John and I, you can find a link to our show's Discord server in the show notes. Until next time, remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Thank you for listening.